from I moved without a job or without even knowing I was gonna go to grad school. Seriously, I was going through some stuff and I was just like, I need to live with my best friend in a city. So I moved to Boston and then everything followed. But then the possibility of like, I should probably go back to school if I possibly wanna do this specialty. I feel like I did it without even fully thinking it through. Like the fact that it was gonna take me two and a half years to complete it and that I was gonna have to be working full time while I'm taking these courses. Like I just kind of didn't think about it. I was like, I can do it. I'm gonna do it. And I was also in that like, in that big moment of change in my life where I was like, I moved here, I got a new job. I'm living on my own and in a new city. I'm right. gonna go to grad school and just take this New chance. degree, why not? Like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Chapter 20-something with me, Kylie McDonald. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Hope you had a wonderful Halloween weekend. I did. It was honestly really fun. Got together with some friends. My brother and sister came up. Everybody dressed up to the nines. And we had a lot of fun together. I've been a little attached to my phone the past day or so. But it's just because of everybody's creativity. Like... I am obsessed with the costumes that people put together, whether it's a group costume, an individual, a nostalgic costume, a pop culture reference. Oh my god, they all bring me so much joy. I don't know, so I've just been like literally sitting in my bed, scrolling through, liking everybody, hyping everyone up, but everybody deserves it. So no matter what you did, I hope you had a great Halloween weekend, and now it's officially holiday season, so... I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but it's the best time of year. Who are we kidding? So let's get ready to enjoy it all. Today on the show, we have Marissa Dietrich. Marissa, I've known since we were in third grade, which is crazy. Um, and she is truly just an amazing person who works now as a teacher for the visually impaired. I say this probably like five times in the episode, but she does such incredible work and is truly making a difference in the lives of her students. Um, and I truly, truly admire her for what she does. It's really, really interesting to hear all about her field and how she got into it and what she does on a daily basis and what everybody could do to help out those around us who might not be able to see as well as we can. I really respected and was a little surprised by her answer to that question. And I encourage you all to take her words to heart. Make sure to let us know what you think of the episode. As always, give it a rating, review, subscribe. Follow it on Instagram at chapter20somethingpod. You can follow me, official Kylie McDonald. And you can follow Marissa at Riss D R I S S D underscore twenty two. 
Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the week. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Much love. Bye. thinking of like how we went to elementary school together and then I was thinking fifth grade talent show we did oh man God. I feel like a woman <laughs> man I feel like a woman I had the chorus I spun my baton you did some twirls we yes. wore gauchos <laughs> oh my god we wore gauchos and cowboy Do you remember hats. and the cowboy hat oh my god I actually was just looking through pictures on Facebook the other day and I saw the one of us and you're doing the split in the front <laughs> Oh my God. I'll have to pull that up when I like start promoting this. Cause that's a classic. And yeah, I think there were like five of us in that group. I want to say maybe we killed it. We honestly killed it. Like go us. Was that, I think that was the year. Hold on. I'm trying to think of like all the different town show acts that, that we I did. did a couple, I feel school. like together. We did another one. But yeah. I, I only remember, man, I feel like a woman. Oh my God. What was it? I feel it was like, um, like some American juniors thing. I don't know what, I don't know, but I think we had like five girls in our group one year. And then the second year, one of them like wasn't committed enough. So she didn't make the cut. We lost one, but we still did awesome. We all could sing and dance. Okay. We could, we were great. Yeah. Honestly, I probably, they didn't have competitions in that talent show, but if they did, I think we would have taken the top prize. I have to say. But since then, you've gone on to do much bigger things in your life, and you are now a teacher for the blind, which is truly just incredible. And um, was this something that was always a goal of yours? No, actually. I, I knew that I wanted to work with kids, and I just didn't know exactly what. But growing up, I, I myself struggled in school. So I came, I had this one teacher, third grade, um, and were you in my class? I don't, I don't know. Mrs. Gregorio. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. You were in my class. Okay. So she just like changed everything for me. I struggled so much in school and that's third grade is when I found out I had learning disabilities and she just like, she would stay after school with me. She would work with me in the classroom to accommodate all my needs. And she just like, was that teacher that changed it all for me. And I was like, I want to be a teacher like her for students like me. So that's kind of like where that started, where I was like, I struggled in school. So I want to help other kids that struggled in school and I want to help them succeed. So I had that in the back of my mind, like going into college, but at the same time, I was still like undeclared. Cause I was like, is this really what I want to do? Like, I guess I'm good at other things. Then I decided to do the teaching, the elementary with a math concentration. And so that was my, what I graduated with. So it's like childhood ed. And okay. I, I liked it, but I was like, I don't know. I feel like everybody, everybody's just a teacher, you know? And like, 
I ended up having this. So when I was student teaching, I had this one student in my class and it was a first grade class and he had a visual impairment. He wasn't blind, but he had like low vision, it's called. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do I teach a student like this? I never learned this in college. I, yeah. I learned how to teach so much. Yes, we took a, like a course about special education and we touched upon visual impairments, but like there's so many things that go into this that I never learned, like technology and just different ways for them to access the curriculum. So I was like so nervous because I was like, who's going to teach me this? So I ended up talking to his vision teacher and just getting to know what his needs were. And then she was like, you need to go into this field. It's needed. You know, we need teachers in this field. You're going to get a job right away and you're going to love what you do because it's special. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I kind of like tucked it away. And then I graduated and then I was like, okay, let me try teaching. So I did like subbing and everything. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't fun, honestly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I did like a long-term sub where I was uh, teaching middle school, seventh grade English class. And I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. I have my own classroom. This is what I went to school for. That was also a nightmare. I mean, I was teaching in like a very inner city area. And so that was what made that challenging as well. But I was like losing my voice every day. I was getting home exhausted. I had to like constantly call parents about different things. And it was just like, I had a hundred kids total, like four sections. And I was like, this is too much for me. I think I want to specialize in something. And that's kind of where that came from. Remembering like the student in my class for student teaching and wanting to be different as a teacher to help like those students that struggle. Right. Because as amazing as teachers are, I think, and I'm sure you can elaborate more on this. There are so many different areas where children who have, you know, they need extra help, whether it be a learning disability or, or visual impairment, or there's a variety of things that most teachers in their education aren't getting educated on. So when these kids go to school, they need that help, but there is no real way in most situations for them to have that. Is that correct? Yeah. And it's funny you say that too, because with that student who was in my student teaching, it was almost kind of like the main teacher who was like my host teacher. It was almost like we kind of like sometimes forgot about his needs because it was Mm. so, it's a low incidence disability, right? Like the percentage is so low of people who have visual impairments. So it was like, oh, we forgot to use a black marker on the board. We used a red one. Oh, Oh, he didn't tell us because he's so young, he's not going to speak up. Or it's like we forgot to... I don't know, enlarge this worksheet for him. Whoops. And he didn't say anything because he's so young. Again, visual impairment is a spectrum. So there are students who are completely blind, low vision, multiple disabilities combined with the visual impairments. There are so many things that make this field so interesting. Truly. So, okay. So at this point you decided you wanted to specialize in this. This is after you graduated from undergrad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you decided to go back to school, I would assume for this field, which I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, where do you get, so you have a degree in, what is it exactly? It's vision studies. Vision studies. Yep. But yeah, you're right. I graduated and I went through that period that I feel like everyone goes through where 
you're just kind of stuck. I was like working two different jobs and I just was not happy. I was living at home and everyone asked you that question, like, what's next? What's next? And I was always like, maybe grad school, maybe I'm moving. I don't know. And then it was kind of like, I ended up moving from, I moved without a job or without even knowing I was going to go to grad school. Wow. You just needed a change. Was that the oh, driving I, force? I needed a, I needed a change. <laughs> You're like, get me out of this uh, Okay. <laughs> seriously, I was going through some stuff and I was just like, I need to live with my best friend in a city. So I moved to Boston and then everything followed. So like, then I got the job and I was just working at a middle school as like a building sub and then eventually the long-term position. But then the possibility of like, I should probably go back to school if I possibly want to do this specialty. Yeah, that kind of came up. And then all of a sudden I started researching it and I was like, oh my gosh, deadlines. I am just going to apply in like a month before the deadline. <laughs> Scrambling, getting wow. everything together. I just sent everything in and I was like, I feel like I did it without even fully thinking it through. Like the fact that it was going to take me two and a half years to complete it and that I was going to have to be working full time while I'm taking these courses. Like I just kind of didn't think about it. I was like, I can do it. I'm going to do it. I was also in that like in that big moment of change in my life where I was like I moved here I got a new job I'm living on my own and in a new city I'm right. gonna go to grad school and just take a new chance. degree why not like <laughs> I'll figure out the rest of, like as I go yeah sometimes kinda, I think that's, that's the best way to do things though literally I could sit here and think about all the different options I could do in the next six months and if I think about them too much they're all terrifying but if I literally just like do whatever comes to mind something's going to come from it no matter what. And you're the perfect example of that. Like you've literally started this whole career based off like a let's see what happens moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on just going for it. And yes, I was nervous about possibly wasting money and possibly not liking this. Like I was like, oh my God, can I, can I really learn Braille? Can I do that? I struggled learning Spanish, but like, yeah. can I learn Braille? <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take this chance and do it because why not? It, it could yeah. have the most amazing outcome. So why not? Wow. And I so, do. I love it. I, I do love it to this day. Uh, that's so incredible. So you ended up going to uh, school in Boston, you said, correct? Yeah. What is the course load like for this degree? So it's actually not bad. And I'm really glad okay. you're asking these questions because I want people to listen to this and hear how cool this specialty is because yeah. like I said before there's not many people that go into this field and it's very it's very needed field but anyways yeah the core it's not too bad it's actually the program that I did at UMass Boston was all online and that was before COVID and then you take about between one to two courses a semester and there's about seven semesters total oh okay it's not and too crazy, yeah, it seems. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. But then again, I never worked full time while also in school. So yeah. I would say that was the worst. That was that was very challenging. I'm that sure. I can't even part. imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like it wasn't bad. And through, I guess, the state of Massachusetts, I don't know about other states, but I was offered a federal grant to do this program. And it's like the cheapest, it's like $200 per course with the federal grant uh -huh. that they give me. It's only oh $200 gosh. per course. 
That's and I'm amazing. Two courses per semester, seven semesters. Uh-huh. Like good for you, it's girl. Incredible. That's yeah. You know, like that's, that's a deal to get your to get your master's. I, I yeah, honestly when I saw that. I was like, I can't say no. <laughs> no, no, you deserve it completely. So yeah. each day you're going in. So what else are you yeah. doing in your classes? So I took two courses, two braille courses. The first one was just literary braille. The second one was math braille. And then I had to get certified in braille. So I had to take like this, the certification exam or the competency exam. And then I had to take two courses on just like how the brain works and how the brain and the eyes work. So very anatomy. Um, that was probably the most difficult two courses. Yeah. Because science yeah. is like not my thing. And we actually learned about every single visual impairment and like every single cause of visual impairment and different ones that affect different students that we will come across. I also took a course about how to assess students um, how, and then another course about how to provide instruction okay. to students. So basically like planning my lessons and everything. Um, and, oh, I took an O&M course. So O&M is orientation and mobility. So that's basically everything with the cane um, and travel for the students. Um, and that was really fun. That was really interesting. And I took a course, uh, a CVI course, and CVI is a cortical visual impairment. So with that in visual impairment, it's very different than an ocular visual impairment because it's a neurological one. So it, it's because there's damage to the brain. And when there's damage to the brain, it can affect what you're seeing. So basically these students who have CVI okay, will look at something and not understand what they're seeing because their brain is mixing it up. Their, their, own, their eyes are like, there's nothing wrong with their eyes at all. The structure, nothing. But their brain is mixing up signals and causing them to like maybe only see the color red. Maybe mm. only see something that's moving or something that's bright and light. It's very interesting. Yeah, seriously. And actually a lot of people, like, well, not maybe not a lot, but some people don't believe that's an actual visual impairment just because uh -huh. the eye exam will be perfectly normal, but the student will not be understanding what they're seeing. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. And you can, you can have a whole degree on that. You can get your whole master's in CBI certification. So it's very interesting. Okay. And that's actually one of the number one visual impairments out there right now in the, I think in the whole world right now, a lot of premature births involve CVI in some way because they're gotcha. out there saving babies and then they have this visual impairment. Right. And I'm assuming like parents probably don't really recognize that until later on, I think, or maybe when they're in school that, you know, then they start to notice different things like, oh yeah, the, this kid like can't see colors correctly or they're yeah. not recognizing. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly it. Like it's called like the 10 characteristics of students with CVI. And the okay. parents will start to see these things. They'll start to see that they're light gazing, you know, like staring at the light or the windows, or they're only looking at people that move around a room. All these little things are characteristics of that disability. Are clues. Oh my gosh. So you're really learning so much and so much about people who, you know, can live such a normal life, but society isn't really letting them, I, I think. And when did you start working with students in your master's degree? While I was going through the courses, I ended up switching jobs and started working for the Carroll Center for the Blind. Okay. Just as an admin, through that admin position, I was able to do some shadowing of people mm -hmm. of other, like, we're called TVIs, Teacher of the Visually Impaired. So other okay. TVIs allowed me to 
observe them, their students and sit in on their sessions. So I would say I started working like with them maybe halfway through my program, like a year in. And then soon after that, I only did the admin role for a couple months. And soon after my, my supervisor was like, do you want to start teaching early? And I was like, am I ready for that? I still have mm-hmm. a year to go in grad school. I don't think I have all the knowledge and the experience. Are the parents going to trust me with their teaching their students this stuff? And she was like, hundred percent, you are ready. Wow. She's like, I've known it since day one I met you. And I also had been doing, oh yeah, I forgot to mention, I've been doing some like summer program stuff, like camps with students with visual impairments before okay. I started the program. So I kind of had a little bit of experience with that through yeah. the Carroll Center again. Yeah. So I ended up taking this early position at the Carroll Center. I think it was really because of COVID, but I got my emergency teaching, teaching license and, oh uh, and all I had to, I just had to say like that I had my bachelor's degree and that I was a good person. I literally had to check yeah. off that I was like a good person. <laughs> check. And yeah. Check I know. I was like, okay. And I started teaching early and I had no idea what I was doing. No yeah. idea because also it was COVID and everything was remote. I was teaching remotely and I was also in grad school classes and all of a sudden I had a caseload of my own and I had, I felt like I didn't, I don't know, I felt like I didn't observe enough or like sit in on enough sessions of other TBIs and everything. And I was, it was really hard, but I blended in because also other teachers didn't know what they were doing with the whole teaching remotely and COVID and everything was like, oh, like we'll figure it out. And so right. I did, I blended in. That was the year to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I did the, I did the whole last year teaching and things eventually, you know, we went into hybrid and then we went full back and everything. And I got to meet all my students in person. And I think taking that step was like the best thing that could happen because once I started experiencing things with my own students I was able to be a better student myself in my classes I felt like I could finally contribute to like you know the discussions and the other things that the student like my classmates were saying to each other because before that I was just like teaching the gen ed curriculum and everybody else in the program had so much experience I felt like in the field already and I felt like I was Mm -hmm. lacking so then when I you know when I started the teaching role I was like finally I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, truly. I think hands-on learning is really for anything. It's the best way to learn, you know? If you're in there, you're experiencing all the good moments of it and the hardest times, you're learning how to handle it all. So that's really the best. And even like you were saying, you weren't sure if you were ready. The questions you were asking yourself, like, am I good enough for this? Are the parents going to trust me? Like, those are the right questions to be asking because it shows that you care, you know? And you were going to do it so much. You do. Yeah. And that's what, at the end of the day, that's what matters in a teacher. Yes, you obviously have the skills to teach them, but you're the one who has the passion behind it too. So that is what matters the most. So yeah, good for you for that. Just wanted to give you that that little thing because I noticed (laughs) of course I Um, tried my hardest so when you started actually working with these students what were like the first challenges that you really you know would come across with them yeah so and I also want to say I for those listening I don't have my own class of students Mm -hmm. 
I have what's called a caseload of students and okay. I see and I'm an itinerant teacher working for the Carroll Center. So that means I travel from school to school to see all my different students in one area. Gotcha. And I was lucky enough to be placed in one district where I have a caseload of about 12 students at the moment. And they're all in schools within, within the district. So it's very easy for me to just, you know, drive to this school and then drive to that school. And sometimes I'll be going to like five different schools in one day. But mm -hmm. that's kind of how I see my students and teach my students individually one-on-one. One -on -one. Okay. Are they being and, like pulled out of their classes during the day to see you? Yeah. Or? So it okay. depends on, it depends on their vision. Some mm -hmm. of my very low vision students, I do direct services. So I do pull out um, mm -hmm. a couple times a week. And then I'll also do push in, which is me just going in, into the classroom, making sure that they're accessing the materials, the curriculum, and uh, making sure their technology works. And then I also do consult. So some of my students are consult only. And they're mm -hmm. more of the students that don't really, don't really need me, but they, they need it on their IEP, which is their individualized education plan stating that they have these accommodations so you know like maybe yeah. they they get extra time on tests they need to be seated closer to the board um little things like that okay so i don't know if that that clears that up yeah makes it and actually i want to kind of rephrase my question that i asked before like yes i know that you have challenges specifically but i also want to know like about the students and i know every one of them is different but do they see these challenges in themselves as like hardships or do you think there's more of a resilience in them where this is just like how they see life? That's a really good question. Um, I think it, I'm lucky enough to have very hardworking students on my caseload who are resilient and I don't really see much of them feeling like their visual impairments hold them back. I mean, I could see them get discouraged. Like for instance, my one ninth, eighth, she was in eighth grade. Um, when I met her, she was not using her cane in the building. And I was like, why, why aren't you using your cane? Uh, and she happened to, she happened to fall that day and miss a curb outside. Oh so I was like, why aren't you using your cane? Like that is your crutch. You know, that that's your super like power weapon. Like that makes you, you, why aren't you using that? Like, it's super cool. And she was like, Oh, like, I feel like I know this school. I don't need it. And then I was like, well, what are you going to do when all of a sudden you have to start using it in high school when you go into a new building next year? You're not going to have those skills because you haven't, it's been a whole year of you not using it. And then she just like broke down and admitted to me that it's because she doesn't want to look different. Yeah. And I, it's like the saddest thing hearing that because you get it. You, you right. get it. Everybody when has she that walks feeling, through yeah. the hallway, mm -hmm. everybody is looking at her and her cane. Of course. Like I of see course. it. And she knows it. And so she doesn't want that label on herself. And, and it's sad too, because most people do put a label on students like that. But I it's try true. to teach her confidence and like that is so cool that you have a cane. And would you rather fall down the stairs and make have everybody remember you as that clumsy person or would you rather walk around with confidence using your device that helps you see and show everybody that you are just like them like yes. but with a cane and i just like i really try to push that and i just and also i never talk about it with my students like i never focus on like you're gonna struggle because or like are you struggling because you can't see 
that worksheet in front of you, what are you going to do about it? You know, like I just constantly make them feel like they are capable of anything. And yeah. I always, as they I are, always push, mm-hmm. yeah, I always push that in them. And then I also have very little ones. I work with preschoolers. I have a couple right now and oh my god, they don't know what's going on, but I'm just yeah. like, you're, you're, you're playing with that toy so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's got crazy because it. I have like such young ones, but then I have the older ones in high school. So I just, I do believe in from a young age instilling that confidence in them. Absolutely. And they probably love you. Honestly, you're probably like this fun, like big sister type that's just like around and, you know, someone they could chat with and have fun with, but really like, yes, it's so important. And I know, you know, obviously some people struggle so much more than others, but everybody has that thing, you know, that they feel makes them different. And it's something that they struggle with. And I tell them that all the time. Yeah. Everybody has that thing. Mm -hmm. no matter what it is, if it's yours happens to be physical, like people notice, but I tell them, I I tell my students, I have learning disabilities and nobody knows it. And look how far I made it. I had to push through the struggle to get where I am. And I never let those disabilities hold me back. I never use it as an excuse Mm -hmm. for anything because how would I get anywhere in life? if I'm always like, Oh, I can't do it. It's because I just, my brain isn't working like everyone else's. Yeah. It's just not fair. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. And we can't look at life that way. And what a lesson, you know, I'm sure you've learned from yourself, but also from students too. Like, you know, you can't let these, these obstacles stop us. And it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. We have to face every day knowing that no matter what is thrown in my path, I can move forward. I know I can use whatever I have right here for my benefit. And I know that I can succeed. And it's a lesson for us also to just be kind to people. You know, we don't know what everybody is going through when we are speaking to them. Everybody has something that is a struggle for them, but we can help them to see it through and help them get to the success of the other side so uh, there's so many lessons from your from your job and yeah I, I don't know is there anything else that you have like learned and or yeah you know stories of success that you've seen that have really inspired you so I I really like what you said about treating everyone with kindness and it's it's like something that I hope for for all like I hope everybody treats my students with kindness you know they obviously, they look different, but they are very capable of everyone else around them. Um, stories of success. Is that, sorry, is that what you asked? Yeah. Yeah. Success. Anything that's really like touched you, you know? Yeah. So what gets me is when I see progress in what I am teaching my students and I teach my students, I don't teach content. I teach access to content so that they can use these specific skills and carry them with them throughout their schooling days. And so that when they don't have me anymore, they know how, what to do to be successful in life. And that's okay. just, not just academics, that's like independent living skills as well, I teach. So oh, wow. when I'm seeing progress in any kind of activity or any kind of you know braille work, or I teach typing, touch typing, uh, that just makes me so happy. And then also when I talk, I communicate with a lot of families and that's ongoing throughout the job. And also with, honestly, most of this job is working with the team members surrounding the student. Okay. 
And when I just hear feedback from different team members or parents about, hey, I saw your student do this in class today, or hey, your student came up to me and advocated for themselves saying that they couldn't see the font size I was using on the board. I just honestly want to cry. Like I just get so proud. Like it's almost like they're my kids. And I'm just like, I taught them that. I taught, I taught them those skills and they're actually following through in the classroom without me there. Cause you know, I'm I'm not always there. I pop in and out throughout every day. So I really have to trust that they can do things without me. Right. And yeah, when, when a parent emails me and they're just like, thank you for all the hard work you put in. I just, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It makes me want to cry too, because what you're really focusing on, it seems is the confidence in themselves and their ability to stand up for themselves, which is something that, especially when you're young and especially when you know, there's something that makes you different, you really can shut down. I don't know. Like for me, I think about it when I was younger and I'm, I don't know if you remember, but like my peanut allergy and stuff. Oh, and like, of course. Yeah, you used to sit at my table with me all the time. <laughs> I the same I girl. Every day, best friend. <laughs> yes, I oh, love it. But I remember like, I don't know, I would see kids like eating peanut butter at lunch and like, I knew that they should wash their hands before going back in, into the classroom with me or all these little things that I knew that if I wasn't going to say something, the teacher was not going to say something. And I used to get so anxious whenever these moments would arise because I did feel like an outsider. But I, you know, I had people like my mom or my dad or other adults in my life that would tell me, no, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to be your own advocate. And eventually you learn to do that. And as you continue to use that voice, it gets stronger and stronger. And you are really doing that for these kids right now. And I think at the end of the day, that is truly what matters the most is you're teaching them to be their own advocates in life. Yeah, they need that little push. And then, you know, they grow into this strong, confident individual that they can do these things without me or without their parents, you know, holding their hands. It's going to be them who are going to be living on their own one day. So it's important to to push these skills into into every day with them. Absolutely. Is this something that you think you learned while you were growing up too? Like you mentioned, you had your own struggles and disabilities. Like obviously, you know, you're a very successful person. You're doing your thing. But did that voice have to become stronger in your own head as well? I think so. I, I would say I was more just like shy and rather not which is Mm -hmm. why I can relate to my students so well with this. Like I rather, yeah, like you were saying, I rather not like tell my teacher that I need extra time on a test when I didn't finish, but I would work. I would do better one-on-one with the teacher saying like privately, like I'm going to write you a note whenever I don't finish and can we figure it out so that I do have extra time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And sometimes that's okay too. Yeah, that's okay too, is finding your own yeah. ways to communicate with people where in a way that's comfortable, you know? Yeah, and I do that yeah. with my students too. Good. Uh, well, yeah, that just makes me so happy. And mm-hmm. um, is this something that you see yourself doing like in the long run for sure? You just want to keep continuing and helping helping students with this? Yeah, I, I really, it, you know, it's a lot that goes into this job, but I really enjoy every every piece of it. And I think that every student is different and I Mm -hmm. love learning about all these different visual impairments and working with all these different families 
and it just, yeah, it makes me happy. And hopefully one day I could do my own business or something like seeing the students yeah. and everything. Absolutely. Like absolutely. Okay. Oh, I like that. Goal. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I don't really know if you had it to envision it, um, ideally, would it be something that's helping students with the more individual living aspect of it or the school aspect? Like what, what is it that you would want to focus on more? Yeah, I think I would do like, I would see students at their homes and I would do the independent living skills. I would do braille work, things like that would probably be my areas. Yeah. Cause I really yeah. do enjoy the independent living skills. Like there's so many things and even just like social skills and recreation and leisure skills and mm. there's like a whole area it's actually called the expanded core curriculum and there are all these different pieces that go into it's beyond the the, the curriculum orientation and mobility is one of those as well i love that stuff because it's not the boring like let's sit down and type this paragraph together it's more like let's i've done like me and my students have made smoothies, we've cut cucumbers, we've peeled apples, we've washed dishes, oh my goodness. how to do laundry. And so wow. that's fun. And that's what I do at the camp that I do as well. It's very ECC stuff. It's fun. Okay. So if you're taking me through like doing your laundry, like how do you practically do that with these students? Like how do you teach them step-by-step -step to do this? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. And it's something that we learn about in the program. It's about being very specific when giving direction to students with visual impairments, because obviously they, you can't just point and be like, you take this and you put it there. You yeah. know, it's, you have to use directional language and- And even like, that's um, not good enough most of the time for like me, like, <laughs> like okay, I'm gonna mess this up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what they had us do in the program is they had us blindfold ourselves and like oh, wow. go through everyday tasks. And then we'd have to like then do the task and see how well we did it. Like one time I like had to like clean up my room and like I saw what I missed and everything. And like you go back and you write like steps that were like how to clean dishes and everything. And then you write first, you do this and you have to, you, when you blindfold yourself, you don't leave out things because you're like, oh, like for maybe like watering plants. Like I put my finger in first to feel if it was damp. And then I knew to pour this amount of water, but to feel around as I was pouring, it's very specific. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. And it really, it makes you realize how many things we can all take for granted each day by just being able to see, but I know it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can really do so much, but then again, you're just getting down to the specifics and you're teaching them how to do everything and they can do everything. They just mm -hmm. need that education to do it. If you are looking at people who um, are visually able to see, is that the correct term? Like people who, who can people see? Who, um, sighted individuals. Okay, sighted. Yeah, I don't want to get it wrong, you know. But. No, it's okay. There's so many terms. There's so many terms. I know, I know. But people who are sighted, um, I know we w live in a world where we could do better to help those who are visually impaired. What do you think we could do firstly, to get those steps towards a better future for these people? Oh, I like that question. I would say one thing that I notice a lot just out mm -hmm. and about is when there's somebody walking with their cane 
it's important to realize that they are using an independent form of travel. They are being independent and they decided to go out and take a walk by themselves and to get to mm-hmm. wherever they need. And they don't, they don't need assistance unless they ask for it. And that's yeah. something I see a lot. In fact, the other day I saw somebody, somebody with a cane waiting to cross a crosswalk and the car in front of me literally pulled over to the side. The person jumped out of the car and sprinted over to this person with the cane to guide them across the the crosswalk, like literally hold their shoulders. And I was like, so I really wanted to roll my window down and be like, yeah, they don't need you. (laughs) Like they are fine. I know, but like they are being independent and they, when they, if they need help, they'll ask for help. Right. They are relying on their cane and that is their independent form of travel. So like if you see someone with a cane, they don't need your help. And they also don't need to be touched. (laughs) That's huge. Oh, I'm sure. Like nobody wants to be touched without asking. Like that's not okay. But the interesting thing is I feel like if you stop that man at the crosswalk and yelled, like, she doesn't need you, she's fine, you could look like the bad person in the situation, you know? know. <laughs> Just let her be, but... <laughs> but it's true. I know, like, the, the literally, guy literally, literally stopped died. traffic. His arms yeah. were out, he was like, hold on, and you know, that's why we have talking crosswalks, like, that, I love that, that is accessible for people who are blind. And that's yeah. why we have the bumps on the before the crosswalk so they can feel that change in ground with their cane. Mm. And they, there are these little things like all over that we have to help people who are blind. And like, you know, on trains, you hear they announce the train stops. That's important too. Yeah. Um, I like that we have those things, but I definitely think we could have more. And I know other countries do better with accessibility. But I know the U.S. is working on it. And there are a bunch of apps actually out there that people who have visual impairments or who are blind can download and kind of have like a talking, an actual person, like talk them through the steps of walking, navigating anywhere, grocery oh, store. Cool. Um, they put in a location on a map and they can literally like be their eyes. And there's, there's an app called Be My Eyes too. But that's what's cool. There's all this technology out there. There are literal like glasses that you can, that they can put on to have a camera so that when they connect this app, the person can see where they're walking. Wow. That's crazy what is out there. Um, I like that. We're trying, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think a main one is just like, just be careful with what you say and do. And also just also recognize that you don't need to like stare at these people. Like they're just like, yeah, they're just going about their day shopping. And honestly, like that's not the answer I really expected you to give, but I think it's a super important one. And it's something that really comes down to your work. It's you're helping these people be confident individuals. And we as a society have to allow them to be because they can be, and nobody needs to be the hero letting this person cross the street when they're completely able to do that by themselves. <laughs> unless, unless they need the help, unless they ask for it. Yeah. Unless just they're just be. like, yeah. Yeah. Unless they say something, use their voice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's so interesting when you think about it, you know, these people are probably a million times a day being asked, Oh, do you need help with something? Do you need help with something? Like that's, that's annoying. Yes. If you don't need help, it's, I'd be like, yes. shut up. <laughs> you you're getting it. Like I, I actually have some friends who are blind and my one friend, she, who I work with closely, she tells me that all the time. She's like, you know how many times a day 
I get questioned or stopped and it, it becomes mm-hmm. like, it's, it's frustrating. How many times can you use your voice to tell somebody no? And that's every day. And she's a grown woman, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, she's doing her thing, but it's really interesting because in a way it makes me feel bad. Like we're not supposed to help these people, but it's how we've kind of been trained to think like, oh, these people need help when they don't necessarily need it. That's the thing too. That's why I didn't say anything to him. Cause I'm like the guy who jumped out of the car. I'm like, he doesn't know, like he's going to do that action and then go home and be like, I helped someone today. Like I feel, I feel like a man, you know? And like, that's very nice to help people. So it's very hard. I don't know. It's hard to kind of explain that piece. No, but it's true. You're very nice for helping a pedestrian. Like you're very nice. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I remember, um, I had a, another woman on this podcast who had a physical disability as well. And she said there was, you know, somebody in a wheelchair and they would go across the street by themselves and like people would like applaud for them or whatever. And she's like, that's, she's like, I'm just doing my thing. Like, let me just go across the street. You know, that is so sad. Yeah. And like, we, Aww. I get it. I see it. But at the other time, she's like, she's just trying to do her thing, blend in and live her life. She doesn't need to be put on a pedestal because of her disability. I and love I think, that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was her words. It was Maddie Perota. That's another episode, but um, she put that really, really nicely. Oh yeah. I, I agree with her. I never, mm-hmm. and that's something with my students too. I never put them on a pedestal. I, when I, when I introduce them to their new teachers, I'm like, you don't need to give these students special treatment. You don't need mm-hmm. to baby them. You don't need to try to pass them along and slide them grades. No, you're going to treat them like every other student because they are capable. Mm, they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're really instilling that capability in them too. And I think you're the perfect person for this job. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you found this avenue to you know, put your skills towards. And I think you're really just doing such amazing work and will continue to for a long time and shout out to mrs de gregorio too i didn't <laughs> that's she's girl. amazing she i is. hope one day she hears this podcast because she needs to know that she changed my life she re- and wow. we still talk like i i saw her recently but she did she changed my life and i am who i am because of her Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. She's a really special teacher. I loved her. I think every one of my siblings have her too. So she's like one of those teachers that is just like a great teacher in the mix. She cares for sure. She She does. Yeah. And she made learning fun and in a comfortable classroom environment, which is just so important. One question that I always ask everybody and I love to end the podcast with is what is it that you value at the end of each day? I value spending time with people that you love. So Mm -hmm. family, friends, I think that's so important. You literally never know what's going to happen in life. And you need to tell the people that you love them when you, when you're with them. I also value doing things that make you happy. I know trying new things and pushing yourself to achieve, I don't know, greatness and just stepping out of your comfort zone. Also, like I was talking about before. I think is important as well. But yeah, doing things that make you happy. Yeah, girl. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's it for that. Like, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your work with us because yeah, it's something that isn't really in the mainstream media right now, but is so important and is truly, truly great. So 
thank you for everything yeah, doing. I hope, I hope people hear this and yeah. see how fun and cool this field is and that you can you can change students lives in different ways you know than just being a regular classroom teacher having a specialty is just amazing so thanks so much for having me i oh my god of course seeing you again you too oh my god if i'm in and congrats on all your success as well thank you you're killing it oh thanks girl (laughs) me too but if i'm in boston soon i'm gonna like get in touch with you for sure because i'd love to see you oh yeah yes we'll do it we'll do it for sure Oh, and um, one last thing, if anybody wants to get in touch with you to find out more about this field, um, is there a way for them to contact you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm RISD underscore 22. That's R-I-S-S-D underscore 22. Yes. And I'm on Twitter too, but I'm also not. So follow me on Instagram. <laughs> okay, perfect. Sounds good. my DMs there. <laughs> Yes. Love it. Well, so good to catch up with you. So great to see your face again. And um, we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much, Carly. Nice seeing you. Of course. Nice seeing you too. All right. Well, you have a good rest of your night, okay? You too. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.